Welcome to Season 2 of the Adult Children Voices Across America Speakers Meeting Podcast. You can attend this meeting live on Thursdays at 6 p.m. Pacific Time using the Zoom ID 848-5208-0640, password 061120. For more information about adult children of alcoholics and dysfunctional families, visit adultchildren.org. The following speaker share from Kevin W. was recorded on March 17th, 2022. So glad to be here tonight. Um, and as, as typical, no matter how often I do this, I'm nervous and my stomach's um, floppy and all that. But I qualify <clears throat> um, as the great-grandson, grandson, son, ex-husband, parent, and partner of alcoholic addicts. So my seat is permanent. It has got, it's got a placard on it. Uh, it's not a folding chair. It's a, it's a throne. Um, I, I need to be here. It goes back um, well early in the 19th century, um, the, the crazy shit that all the alcoholics did. And, is, uh, and it is, it's wrapping up in, in my generation. It's wrapping up with a recovery. So um, to tell you a little bit about, and what I'm gonna to try to get to, I will get to even though it may be a little scattered is um, the process, what I'm, what I'm experiencing now is the process of, of easing out the critical inner parent for a loving parent. Um, and I will get to that um, at some point. Um, <clears throat> I was born um, right near Berkeley, California um, in Albany, uh, nondescript town to rather nondescript people, um, good people, but, um, pretty much without the skills to know um, what their urges were telling them to do. My dad was, um, had been abandoned by his dad as his father as a little child. And so he grew up with that stigma of being, um, of being sort of told that, you know, it's not safe. You have to hold on to people. Don't ever let them go. People will, will abandon you and hurt you. And my mother, who was um, her side of the family is where the addiction comes from back um, probably a century before she was born, um, was raised by perfectly nice people who, you know, messed their lives up a lot around alcohol and uh, passed that on to her. She um, was raised around a, a sort of emotionally incestuous mother who stopped drinking but didn't get sober and um, instilled with my mother a, a desire to not commit, to not be emotionally available because of um, the long list of, of insults foisted upon her as, as a youth. Um, so I was born in 1955 in the Eisenhower America, uh, with a father in law enforcement and the Marines and, uh, just a good all American fella. His plan in life was to, um, instill, um, the, the all American fifties, uh, traditions, um, you know, family, home, commitment, home and hearth, um, conservative values, um, what he what he missed was that he married somebody who was um, a lovely woman. He met her in her first semester at Cal at 18, um, but she'd been drunk every day for five years up to that point, and that was one of part of her attraction and um, part of her uh, inability to say, "You're cute, but I really should be um, sleeping with women, being a poet, and hanging out at coffee shops and writing bad poetry." instead of um, marrying and having five kids and uh, ruining my life. <clears throat> but she uh, went along with this because that was what the social imperative said. So they um, married, had four kids, and all the time 
uh, and I, as I was growing up, <clears throat> the messages I was getting was, um, uh, don't, don't ask questions about what's going on. We just have to keep a look good to the neighbors. Um, your mom has an awful lot of pills and alcohol um, keeping her going. Uh, don't ask why she stays most of her time in bed and isn't, isn't too present, why she's always depressed, why she um, has a, an unbelievable amount of downers in the medicine cabinet. And don't ask why I'm angry all the time because I'm working full time and I'm putting your older sister on suicide watch for my mother um, to make sure that she doesn't slit her wrists again, which she did often in my childhood um, as she was trying to sort out her life. Um, and eventually she did. Um, the, 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 the madness was building. Uh, my younger brother and sister act as if they missed most of it. When she got sober, um, my younger brother was seven and my sister was five. So they, they sort of missed the full brunt of it. My older sister was um, 15 and I was 13. Uh, <clears throat> by then the damage had been done. If you look at, you put us in a room, you could tell who's still hurting and who was um, just sort of waking up when uh, things started to get a little better. Uh, <clears throat> my childhood was, um, was, was pretty banal in many ways. A lot of good stuff, a lot of, um, in my case, just a lot of anxiety. I, I describe my, my childhood as anxious, unclear, um, worried, um, learning to be a codependent, learning to be nice, to try to, to go along, to, um, to, um, to fix things. <clears throat> um, and as it got worse and worse and worse, uh, we, at one year, we moved away for a year so my dad could get a promotion and uh, deal with their bankruptcy. My mom did not handle money well or, or her addictions. And um, uh, after about nine months, she just moved back home back to the Bay Area and let my dad handle um, packing the house up and moving us back here. Um, and that was so the beginning of the end. Uh, for the next um, part of a year after that, I was 13, I would go into my parents' room every night and shake my dad's hand and kiss my mother on the forehead. The rest of my, my siblings were hiding in their rooms, praying to God nothing bad happened today. Uh, there was never yelling or violence. <clears throat> there was just this quiet misery, quiet crying behind closed doors. And as a kid, you know, we don't know if that's because we're awful and they're going to give us away or, or somebody's dying or what. We, didn't, we don't know these things. <clears throat> you could not have explained it to me that your mother is an alcoholic addict and she's trying to kill herself with substances and she needs help. We didn't know that. So I, I went out of my way to, to try to fix all that. And um, then it failed. And uh, three days after Christmas, right before I turned 14, um, my mother passed out of bed with a cigarette and gin and Valium and uh, burned the house down. We jumped out of the second story. She spent six months in the burn unit. And within about two months after she got out, finally after the, out of the hospital, she found AA and NA. And so her life got fixed. I mean, those guys were marvelous. They were marvelous. They, uh, they dragged her out of the home and, and took her to meetings every day, twice a day. The calls only, the phone only rang from my mother um, for the first year or two. Uh, friends she was making in AA, she was, uh, she, she got, came alive. My dad relaxed. <clears throat> he, um, he, uh, he, he thought things were looking better. But what they couldn't, and so they handled that. They kept, they, they rebuilt the house. Um, they, within a year or two after that, my folks split because my mother realized that she, she needed an entirely different life other than being the all-American housewife and the, the poodle skirt and um, you know serving meals all day long. Um, and she found it, <clears throat> she found it. She wouldn't have found it if she um, had not found um, the, um, 
Bill and Bob. So very grateful for that. But what they missed, and I learned this at Al-Anon, was um, that it's a family disease. <clears throat> My family was wrecked by this, not in ways that we became murderers and thieves and felons, um, but that we just shut down. We got quiet. We got scared. We got angry. We had all kinds of things. Um, and the worst was that we did not talk. We did not tell the truth. We were terrified of that. Um, one, because we didn't know what it was. <clears throat> it wasn't like we saw something. Um, we saw it happening. We saw what was going on and we knew what it was and we couldn't say it. We, we didn't know. We just did not know what was going on. And so that time I developed anxiety. I developed stomach problems. Um, I nearly ate myself to death as a kid because the only time it was comfortable in my house was after everybody went to bed and I'd get up and make a huge bowl of popcorn and watch TV all night long. Um, which is a habit I'm still trying to break at 67. Um, but that's how we cope with it. Don't talk, don't think, don't talk, don't trust, don't feel, one of those kind of things. And we did that well. Um, after the fire, um, my mom went to meetings every day. Uh, she got up out of bed, occasionally learned how to cook. She learned how to care for the kids. <clears throat> but um, we, um, I still somewhere have a newspaper clipping because we made the front page of the newspapers here about the fire. Um, that it was um, oily rags in the closet, spontaneous combustion. So that was, and it still stuns me that my younger brother has not told his children that's what happened. We still pretend that it was a spontaneous fire and it was a suicide attempt by my poor beleaguered alcoholic mother to, um, to deal with the pain in her life. <clears throat> and um, she never wanted to do this to us. My dad didn't want to keep lies to us. That was just the best they knew. And if I hadn't found these rooms, then boy, would they be blamed. And nobody would argue with about, about blaming it either. <clears throat> so I hit, um, you know, I turned 14. My mom got out of the hospital um, long enough to come wish me happy birthday, went back in for a while. And they went <clears throat> about their lives. You know, my parents split. My dad went to Al-Anon for a while and met his second wife, who was an absolute um, Christian goddess. You know, she was perfect. She had no, no, no addictions, no nothing. He, um, and he needed that. He needed to find his project. He needed to find a woman to fix and to save. And so he adopted her eight children and raised all of them along with um, my three siblings. We weren't all in the house at once, but we, um, at times there was 10 or 11 of us. Um, and so he went on about his life. He got a little bit of help from Al-Anon and, um, and, you know, his, his path opened up. He was a, he was a, he was a do-gooder. He was, um, he was very motivated. He was not going to go fall apart over this, but he was crushed. He, he didn't understand why all the love that he brought, all the energy, all the devotion, all the till death he apart. I swear to God, he did. He almost got, almost got that, you know, uh, <clears throat> that that wasn't helpful. <clears throat> that was, you know, him trying to fill the God sized hole in his heart with another person. And he went to the hardware store for milk. He, uh, he found this sprightly, giddy, beautiful young woman and thought she'd be the, the partner for him. What he wanted was um, June Cleaver, you know, <clears throat> and he eventually found her. My mother found out that she was gay, an intellectual, <clears throat> um, completely uninterested in being a mother, liked us kids, but God, she wanted us out of the way. She um, uh, came out as gay with her AA sponsee, which I always had a problem with until I talked to friends in AA and they said, oh, that's nothing. Don't worry about that. 
they all do that stuff. So I got over that and, and accepted her just exactly as she is. And, um, and I know it saved her life to do all of that. Um, so that, so the parental parental part of the addictive family and addict family smoothed out for a while. Um, but the problem was that they hadn't shared any of that with us. I mean, it got better because my mom cooked and cleaned and, and, did some things, but they, and she would say, yeah, I'm an addict. I'm sorry. I screwed up your life, but there wasn't any help. She took me to Alateen a few times. I wound up just finding a great uh, place to buy pot. Um, and that was all I needed. So once I learned how to do that, I didn't go back to Alateen. <clears throat> so I was, I was introduced to some things that might've helped me with my identity. Um, all this time, I didn't really have an identity. I was um, a cute kid. I was the artistic one. I was the sensitive one. Um, I was never going to be the, the um, all-American boy my dad wanted. And it broke his heart. And he made sure I knew that, too. So I felt ashamed of um, all the things I wanted to do. I wanted to read comic books instead of play baseball. I wanted to, um, I wanted to um, take drugs instead of uh, getting straight A's. I wanted to uh, you know, hang out with musicians and artists. And, and I did that. But I always felt guilty because I. I, I still had not processed that thing of, I thought I could fix my family if I just love them enough, going into their room at night and, and showing them that, you know, their, their kids love them and all that. I thought I could fix that. And that left a wound that is still being worked out. <clears throat> um, they meant well, they didn't mean for us to leave us <clears throat> in that awful place, but they did. <clears throat> so um, uh, my older sister married, um, you know, a, a thoroughly horrible narcissistic human being from the sickest family I've ever met just to get out of the house. Marion, good brother and sister seemed to do okay. <clears throat> Me, I just acted out. I took to drugs. I got busted twice and spent a week in jail before I was 18 and a half. Uh, <clears throat> and even though they loved me and they tried to help, they didn't have the tools or even the understanding <clears throat> about just getting sober doesn't fix a family. Um, I was clearly a, the identified patient. Uh, it got so bad that um, as I was, um, and I got, a, I got a near fatal car accident um, and got out of bed long enough to, um, to realize that I, I couldn't stay. And friends my age were going, <clears throat> going to college. They were getting jobs. I didn't have any work other than selling drugs. And um, <clears throat> so what I did, my, my response to that with my great upbringing and skills I ran away with a circus. <clears throat> I spent my 19th year on the road with a circus and learned a lot of good things. It saved my life, actually, <clears throat> but it still did not ever address um, hanging out with renegades, did not address the emptiness I had inside. Um, so, through, so on through my 20s, um, I was still fairly, I would say, anorexic <clears throat> emotionally. Um, I craved relationship, had a couple of um, girlfriends, few and far between not because they didn't like me, because <clears throat> I, I didn't know who I was bringing to the table. Um, anybody would get close to me, I'd usually panic and run, or, you know, clutch their feet, you know, as they drag me along trying to get away from me. <clears throat> there was never, um, the upbringing, there was things that were missed. I did not get, I did not get training, <clears throat> I did not get guidance. Um, and so I just picked, I cherry picked what was out there in the world. Um, and that just, I sort of bumped and I, I was basically stumbled through my 20s, <clears throat> um, managed to get some schooling and got a career. Um, 
a very non-traditional career, um, which this day I love. I'm glad I did. But I spent most of the time since I started 45 years ago <clears throat> um, regretting it and feeling like my parents were ashamed of me being a gardener rather than an academic or a, or a professional as, I, as they wanted me to be. <clears throat> um, and when it all changed was when my mother came back to California, um, left her, um, her first partner and recognized that I had <clears throat> found my project of my life. I found my addict alcoholic to save. I failed in my family, so by God, I'm gonna try it again. I'm a good guy, uh, <clears throat> I, can get, I can get a lot from people by, by um, giving, giving extra, giving more than is reasonable, more than they ask for. I could control things that way. And so I found this um, hapless addict alcoholic, uh, 100 pounds overweight and smoking dope and snorting cocaine every day from the age of 14 and, and drinking herself silly, but high functioning. So she was different than my mother. And so I grabbed a hold of her at 28 and, uh, and we spent a couple of years partying and, and um, trying to, trying to, you know, just trying to have a relationship, both of us hopeless at it. And when I, uh, right about time I turned 30, my mother came in and said, you know, I see what you're doing with this woman. She's interesting. She's dynamic, but you know, you got a lot of baggage. Um, why don't you um, consider um, going to a meeting with me? And she took me to my first Al-Anon meeting. Um, that was 36 years ago. Uh, and that that's when it started. That's when everything good started in my life. And she also had the good sense to never mention it again. She was going to AA and NA and doing her life as best she could. She was stayed sober and clean most of the time. <clears throat> and she knew enough to say, it's there if you want it, just take it. Um, so I've been pretty steady in recovery since then. <clears throat> um, I managed to, and my she actually 12-step my uh, former spouse too. Uh, brought her into AA and NA as well. And she just celebrated 36 years clean and sober. So I'm really grateful for the 12 steps. Sorry, I'm going to start crying now because of how much good it's brought into my life. <clears throat> um, but was always missing in that. I mean, I worked my Al-Anon. I did Debtors Anonymous to learn how to work and make a dollar and, and stop cheating myself out of things. It was still felt like chipping from the outside. There's still this, this inner child was, was never really addressed. I fought bitterly with my former spouse for, for years, and we're together 14 years, even in recovery with more tools, but not the ones I've learned here. Um, we fought bitterly. I defended myself madly against real, sometimes real, mostly imagined slights. Um, I was, I think, smarter than her, so I could out-talk her. Um, it's one of my biggest character defects, and um, I talked my way right out, right out of a marriage. It was one that deserved to end because we really didn't love each other that much. And that was a separate issue. But if, and I'm grateful for recovery because I got to enter, I got to marry sober and, and leave it sober. Um, partly because we'd had two children by then. And we, we somehow loved our kids more than we disliked each other. And so um, we were able to leave. Um, and so I, there I was. Again, I was 42 years old. <clears throat> with um, not much work, not much money, no self-esteem. It all went away with my identity was lost with not being a husband and partner anymore. Lost my house <clears throat> and um, only had my kids half time. And um, it was very, very depressed. Um, I somehow managed to find my way back to school, tried a different career. <clears throat> and um, while I was right in the middle of that, um, my daughters hit, my twins hit 14 and discovered drugs and alcohol. 
and sex and partying and nightclubs. <clears throat> and that's when phase two of my recovery started that I, um, I cranked up my Al-Anon recovery and we dove in and did an intervention <clears throat> and thank God um, it worked. My daughter went into eating, um, eating disorder recovery and her sister um, is celebrating 16 years clean and sober just recently. So again, the 12 step worked and it worked really well for them. They went straight, straight at their recovery without turning back. <clears throat> and so again, I did like the right thing, but for the wrong reasons. I gave and gave and gave and gave. And somehow, as my therapist would say, <clears throat> that I've always, I'll, I'll get up and go. I'll, I'll get in the car and drive, but I drive with the brakes on. <clears throat> I never, I, I did, they're sort of the, I picked the low hanging fruit. <clears throat> I, um, I never beat or, or call my wife names. Uh, I never cheated. Uh, I don't abuse drugs and alcohol anymore. <clears throat> I, um, I stopped cheating on my taxes. You know, I've done the stuff that makes me look good, but inner wise, my, my inner child was still just going, Hey, I'm still here. God damn it. What about me? I, I like this was 30 years ago and this shit happened and nobody talks about it, you know? So I was always getting beat up from the inside. I was <clears throat> always um, um, harassed by that. And, and I was doing good program work, but it was always the bare minimum. So, um, it's um, all right, just broke a glass. I'm very excited by this. Um, <laughs> um, <clears throat> so I proceeded on sometimes brilliantly, sometimes poorly, sometimes quickly and slowly. <clears throat> I got diverse, divorced, um, went to Sex and Love Addicts Anonymous meetings to learn how to, to date and attempt healthier relationships. And that worked fairly well for a while. I dropped out <clears throat> and just went about my life with a little more serenity, you know, more years in recovery, even working it as, as um, I think ineffectually and anemically as I did. Um, I, there was still always doubt. There was always anxiety. There was always fear, <clears throat> always, um, whenever my inner child wanted attention and got attention, it was rarely something that involved joy and, and fun. And I mean, I've always been a hedonist. I've always found a way to, um, to have fun. I mean, my work is sometimes just play. Um, I make music, <clears throat> I hike, um, I spend time in the mountains. <clears throat> I enjoy my children when they're, when they're around. <clears throat> but there's never been um, a, an active, focused um, attempt to look at what, why that critical parent is still running the show. I'd never heard that word before. <clears throat> and then after 32 years of recovery, um, I found you, I found you. I don't even know how it happened, it doesn't matter. Somebody mentioned it. Um, I was getting, I was kind of um, topping out in Al-Anon. I did the steps five times, they were all critical. I did all my service work there <clears throat> and it was good, but I was, I was restless. Um, I still, um, I, I, entered into what um, appeared to be my first healthy relationship of my life, which is now seven, seven or eight years in. <clears throat> and even as, as much as many tools, she's got 40 years plus in recovery. So it looked good from the outside. It looked like we had something to work on and we had tools. Um, but I never, I, I, I had not found what the, um, what the heart of it was, why I was, you know, 
the alcoholics talk about being restless, irritable, and discontent. Well, I had that without alcohol. <clears throat> I, I, I never trusted myself. I've, I've been horrible at allowing myself to make decisions and stand by them. I've, um, I've compulsively talked and talked over people, even though I do love people, my friends dearly. I've controlled by, by, <clears throat> by talking. I still struggle with food. I still eat at night as I did as a kid to, for soothing. It's um, starting to hurt, so I'm, I'm ready to face that one. <clears throat> um, I got so much out of what I'd done up to that point. And I, I, when I walked into my first meeting and you know, people were, were talking about different things. People were talking about different things. It was in a, um, the music room at a, at a local high school a hippie high school and there was uh, drum sets and bass, uh, you know, cellos around and stuff like that. And it was a very cozy room <clears throat> and uh, in a beautiful building with redwood trees outside. And um, people were talking about stuff that didn't make a lot of sense, but I knew that, <clears throat> that there was something here. Um, I, I knew that I had, I, I was, my body was telling me, my, my gut was telling me that I was home, that I, that none of it, just because I felt like, you know, my critical parent tells me I've judged myself horribly, <clears throat> um, always tells me that I'm, I'm chicken and I never tried very hard and, and I was um, lazy and, and chicken. And, and that's what the critical parent always told me. <clears throat> but um, I came in here and people started talking about all these weird concepts, inner child, um, loving parent, um, the laundry list. Oh my God. <clears throat> it was, um, you know, and I also hated being a newcomer. That, that wasn't much fun. I, I liked that I have some old timer in other rooms. <clears throat> and I think I'd squeezed every drop out of it. I still attend the other rooms, but um, to, just to keep, to, to keep it fresh. <clears throat> um, let me see where I may. So I started working. I got myself a sponsor fairly quick, a rather um, tremendous human being in my book. Um, I found the first person I asked to be a sponsor um, agreed, even though we could not be more different. He's a um, black former junkie from Harlem. Um, it could not have been a different life than mine. No, no middle-class white boy <clears throat> stuff. But I knew with the way he talked that he was serious about this stuff. And I didn't care what happened after that. If you're serious about this and I want to talk to you, if you don't want to, if, if you don't want to really do this, then um, I, I can't I can't participate. Uh, that's why I like to go to big meetings like this. <clears throat> I like, I, I need to be surrounded, completely surrounded and, and held by this, this program. Um, <clears throat> so that's began the process of stopping, not stopping, the, stopping chasing my tail, stopping this constant criticizing, constant self-hatred, blame, um, blaming others, um, ineffectual relationships, <clears throat> um, lying about um, about why I still eat too much. Now that's the last frontier for me. Uh, both of my my ex wife and my partner have been um, absent in an OA for you know 30, 40 years each, and I still haven't been willing to to tackle that. And that's next. So now that I've outed myself, there's more people who might be in my court when I challenge that one. I feel like I've done everything else. Uh, I don't even cheat on my taxes anymore. <clears throat> um, so I did the steps, took about two and a half years. And oddly enough, the critical parents stopped having room 
to judge to, to, to me to judge myself with um, saying, come on, you're just dicking around here. You're not serious about this stuff. This is just a fad, you know? This is like Scientology or Est, you know? <clears throat> you've, you've done your time. You can, you can graduate now. Um, and that's, that, I still didn't know what that meant, but I'm starting to trust my intuition. I trust this scary looking fellow who would show up every week for me at the coffee shop and, and look me in the eyes and says, what did you write this week? Talk to me, tell me. You know, tell me what you're feeling and wouldn't take any bullshit. <clears throat> um, and he's still doing that. And 10 o'clock tomorrow morning, if I'm not on the phone with him, there's going to be hell to pay. Uh, <clears throat> and so that opened up uh, the step work. Um, I started doing service. Secretary meetings was was very difficult. I liked being the center of attention, but my home meeting <clears throat> has a four page script that is so ponderous and stressful. I, I can't stand it, but I love the group. So I put up with it. Uh, sponsoring two um, lovely men right now. I adore them. They exasperate me and I exasperate them, <clears throat> but they show up for this process as imperfect people trusting in the stuff that Tony A and all, all his cohorts came up with. Um, so, um, <clears throat> and <clears throat> I, so I finished the steps. That was great. What to do next? Well, the laundry list workbook showed up. Um, I kept I've been on the phone occasionally. I do occasional program calls with people. I love talking to newcomers. Uh, <clears throat> and we started the laundry list book, but something weird happened. Got about four, four um, um, uh, traits into it. And it started to flat, flatten out again. And that scared me because if I'm not doing something with my hands in this program, if I'm not working the steps, I don't, I don't coast well. That's always a bad sign. I've heard from my friends in AA. It's like, if you're not, working the program, the disease in the corner is doing push-ups, ready to pounce on your ass. <clears throat> and so <clears throat> not that I could learn from other people's mistakes exactly, but I said the sense that, you know, like I'm not liking this. I'm not loving this. I'm not, my mojo is gone. <clears throat> and so he's okay, fuck it. Put the book away. We're doing the, we're doing the loving parent book. And this was like two weeks ago. And tomorrow morning we start writing on the loving parent guidebook. I don't know how that happened. And I'm very nervous about having a project that I have to set aside. I'm going to fold it up. We've marked the spot. I'll get back to it when, <clears throat> but um, this, I think, and he, he, he spotted this directly because I couldn't make the connection that my critical parent is still just a sneaky enough bastard to sneak around all the good stuff that I've got. I've got, I've been given health, enough money to live, <clears throat> good relationships with people. I'm great friends of my former spouse. Because uh, we love our kids, um, my, parent, my kids in recovery are doing great, and we're going on a vacation soon. Uh, <clears throat> I've got work I love. I've got music in my life. <clears throat> I've got good relationship. My first healthy relationship in my life with a with a partner. We work the RCA program, Recovering Couples Anonymous, so we can practice every possible way that we can be healthy and honest with each other. Because we both had we're both done having bad um, intimate relationships. So with all that, I still, I, I had that sense of restless, irritable, and discontent. I started thinking, ah, I don't need to go to a meeting this week. There's something good on Netflix. And it's like, oh, that was, that started to make me squirm. <clears throat> and so he mentioned that, okay, well, you're, how's your critical parent doing? Let's talk to him. And I said, oh, I've told the critical underparent to buzz off. You know, I don't, I don't need you anymore. <clears throat> he says, no, 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 baby boy, little Kevy. That's not how it works. He didn't say honey, but he says every other loving, sweet thing 
that a guy that looks like Denzel Washington in training day could do. I love it because he's, I love the dichotomies. This guy, I would not, I would never be friends with this guy. Otherwise we wouldn't meet each other because we're here, you know, anyway, sorry, that was, that was diversion. <laughs> but um, he just says, um, your loving parent is doing really well in some areas. You're still, you know, screwing it, screwing yourself over around food, health, you know, I resist healthcare so, so heavily. <clears throat> I resist um, old um, patterns, like um, cleaning stuff up, um, finishing cycles on things, um, you know, clutter, <clears throat> um, even just answering emails with people. Um, I, it's a long-term thing of, again, even when things are good, I can act anemic and, and uh, driving with the brakes on. So we started this process and I am so excited about it. My successes are, even though I've only, I'm, I don't know where it's going to go. I mean, I'll come back in a year and tell you about it. Hopefully I'll have something cool to say. Uh, odds are good. It'll be, it'll be something um, that, that my successes are <clears throat> with transitioning from the critical inner parent to the loving parent is that like, I just broke a glass in the middle of sharing. I've been waiting for, three months to talk to you guys. And I got a glass of water because I get dry mouth and I, and I broke it in it and the water spilled down the back of my desk, you know, oh my God. And you know what? I'm more interested in talking to you guys and having you witness this very minor, uh, I've been waiting five years to buy a set of glasses and I just broke, I just got them. I'm a little upset. That's all it is. I'm just a little upset. <clears throat> the critical parent was ready to kick in. And I just said, no, honey, you saved me. You saved my ass back in those days. You taught me how to, to tell small spot bullshit. You taught me that there was something wrong with my family and I should not accept this. Uh, you didn't teach me very well how to, how to, to what action to take. That came from the rooms of recovery. <clears throat> but you saved my ass. I'm not mad. I just think you've been really hard on me. And it's not working anymore. I'm not a slave driver. My dad lived like that. And he died at 50 right after retiring. You know, so I've got a big hex about um, driving myself, pushing myself, whipping myself. And that's what the critical inner parent does. Mine likes to do that. And I can't make it go away. <clears throat> I can't just shut it off. Because what I read in the books, I read in the there's what, 27 entries for the critical inner parent, about 30 for the loving parent in the red book. And it tells us, no, we can't, we can't just say that's done, it's bad, tear my shirt, you're out of my life, because I needed it. I would not have survived at all. I would not have survived if I hadn't um, learned that I wouldn't have been hungry for you guys and all this, all your recovery stories. <clears throat> and if if I hadn't had some instincts that Guys, this family's fucked up. You can talk about it. My other sister and I talk a little bit, but she doesn't like me much and she doesn't want to be in recovery. So I, I talk about it to my mother who's still in recovery at 87. Not a lot of recovery, but it's interesting that we have that in common. I'm so grateful. Uh, <clears throat> the, my loving parent got to say, wow, that was maybe you're going to get a plastic cup next time instead of a glass. And it's over. That's it. <clears throat> um, I don't, I'm not freaked out that my critical parent wanted to take over. I mean, I was ready to like hit, leave meeting and clean 
the bits of glass behind my desk and you know I was ready to do something dramatic <clears throat> and this process of transitioning to letting the loving parent go hey Kevy wow I'm really sorry you did that now you got to go order another set of glasses and you got to clean up and yeah it happened you just were excited and a little nervous um I'm 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 so in love with how this works um, I can't make that critical parent go away but just I'm asking it to retire just step in the background go to Boca get some sun play some shuffleboard you know um I'm an honorary Jew by my former marriage so I, <laughs> I hope it doesn't offend anybody I use references like that uh, <clears throat> and my loving parent is still not very grown up yet um I I'm I'm really good in uh, I'm the, my loving parent says, um, oh, you need to do an, a 10 step on that. Wow, that was messed up. You yelled at that bad driver. So I do a 10 step even when I'm driving. <clears throat> I'm learning how to be um, a, a good partner, a real partner, somebody that says, I got boundaries around this stuff. And can we talk about this? You know, we're, I'm learning good tools about how to be in relationship. I've accepted my younger brother who thinks he's Walt Disney. He pretended we had the most fabulous childhood in the world. And I don't know what the hell house he grew up in, <clears throat> but it wasn't the one I did. And I've accepted that he's not remotely ever going to talk to me like you. I know more about what's in strangers on these rooms. I don't know your last name or where you live. I know more what's in your heart than my brother's. And that breaks my heart. My older sister is pissed off at me because we're caring for our mother in a care home and she doesn't like the way I do things. Um, and if it was, if she was a recovery, you might have a chance to have a mutual language. Um, that's, I'm not going to be able to change that. <clears throat> I get that my real parent is my higher power who has my back. My prayer, my prayers every morning are to my higher power to, to have me um, just, just get up and face the day and try to pass for normal, try to be average, try to be by an, another um, puppy in the litter. And that's why I come to you guys and want to share. I, um, I, I, in my high school yearbook, <clears throat> at the height of my um, complete dissociation with the world, I, um, they said, what do you want to do after you graduate? You know, you're not going to go to school or something. I said, I'm going to conquer the world. And one, I had zero idea how to do that. I had no gumption, no skill, no motivation. I did not know where to go or what to do. And you know what they did? They left it blank. There's a blank next to my picture in my yearbook. I mean, what, what did that tell me? That <laughs> told me that I, I was going to need something else if I was going to succeed in any appreciable level. And, and in this program, I feel like I'm succeeding. I, I still have issues with food. I still am um, upset that I broke my glass. But I'm not trashing relationships. I'm not judging my brother to the point that he doesn't come by and visit me every day just about. Uh, <clears throat> I'm, I'm, I make, I make good on my promises. I don't make promises I can't keep. And, oh my God, I'm not chasing my tail anymore. I'm not, um, I'm not angry at the world and I'm not angry at myself. I'm not angry at my parents. They did their best. Um, I, I, I'm actually using all the stuff, all the collective good and love and, and pain that you've all been through <clears throat> to um to ask for something you know to, to be happy joyous and free and um like it says you know look for the good look for the best and ask for the best and get it and uh, that's what you're giving me and on that note i'm going to quit and thank you very much for listening love you all